This is an ABC podcast. We're not for profit. We actually spend that money providing access and a, and, a, and a pathway into our game at community and elite level. And the committee needs to be understand that. That's the AFL chief executive explaining why gambling is good for the Aussie rules community. Yep. Gillam McLaughlin and his NRL counterpart Andrew Abdo were part of a government inquiry into online betting this week, along with those who run the punting companies whose reach seems to grow and grow every year. There were some revelations. Did you know for every bet you make, the AFL and NRL get a cut? Legit. Did you know some betting agencies will block you if you're winning? Uh Uh-huh. So what might change? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Jack Snape is ABC Sports Deputy Editor. He's covered this story for years. Jack, why is the federal government having an inquiry into online betting and what is it designed to achieve? The question of when and how this online gambling inquiry started, it's quite an interesting one. Obviously, at the federal level, the Labor government's come in in the last year or so and they've got their own agenda and they maybe think that, hey, there could be some political value in, in looking at this issue. Obviously, there's a heap of sentiment around sports betting and sports betting advertising. You know, maybe there are too many ads on TV, for example. And I believe the federal government's probably thought, hey, let's have a good look at this, you know, in part to appease or or to um, ensure their constituents and constituents' concerns are looked after. But also they think, hey, maybe this is pretty solid political ground. So the uh, social services minister, Amanda Rishworth, kicked off the inquiry last year and, and it's been set up in the House of Representatives. And so that means uh, a bunch of lower house MPs are receiving evidence and getting uh, people from the sports betting industry into Parliament House and seeing what they have to say for themselves. One of those was the chief executive of the AFL, Gil McLaughlin. Recently, he made the admission that maybe there was too much punting advertising during Aussie Rules TV broadcast. So many were interested to hear from him. What did he have to say? Gil McLaughlin has had a pretty interesting relationship with this issue for a, a long time, really. Over his tenure at the AFL as CEO, we've really seen an explosion of sports betting. And there hasn't really been much pushback or a heap of concern from the AFL, apart from a few things around the edges, you know, minimising exposure uh, during games towards within the stadiums, for example. But what's happened the last few weeks is, is particularly interesting because Gil McLaughlin was on Melbourne radio a few weeks ago and he said that, you yeah, know, maybe there is too much gambling advertising. I think there's probably too much, yeah. I don't have a problem that other people do around wagering per se. I just think the volume is too much, so it's in your face. And that was a bit of a surprise to everyone in the sector. And so we uh, eagerly awaited his appearance at the committee this week. He seemed to walk back that comment from a few weeks ago a little bit. He, uh, he said that he was under time pressure in that interview and he wanted to use the hearing to clarify his position. I don't believe that brand advertising per se is too much. I think the inducements are a problem. So I think that this broad discussion needs to be nuanced. That's what uh, this inquiry is getting into. But, yeah, generally um, he really said that uh, in terms of the, the sport, it relies on gambling revenue. And if the government was to make any changes that reduce that, that uh, intake or reduce the level of advertising that the gambling companies would be prepared to make, it would have an effect right throughout the sport, you know, right down to the grassroots. What actually is the appropriate decision in terms of funding the industry and being able to keep, because the fans like the fact that 
child prices are five dollars, adults are twenty-seven dollars. We've kept we've held prices for seven last eight years. We like that we've invested in fifty-five million dollars in game development every year. So it sounds as though what he's saying is the growth of sports gambling is actually good for grassroots footy. That might be an oversimplification, but it sounds a lot like he's arguing that exact point. He is, uh, and it's an interesting arrangement that the the codes, the AFL, the NRL have with the sports betting companies. Ultimately, we know that the biggest part of those codes revenue is broadcast dollars. So that means TV companies are prepared to pay hundreds of millions of dollars each year to show the games because they know that they can sell advertising during the, the breaks in play or beforehand. And we know that gambling companies make up a large proportion of that advertising. So it's in the AFL or the NRL's interest to ensure that their broadcast partners can get as much money as possible for those advertising blocks. But we also know that the AFL and the NRL have generally aligned interests when it comes to sports gambling due to something called uh, product fees. So the AFL and NRL will have direct arrangements with all the bookmakers and they'll set out what kind of markets the codes um, and the sports betting companies can offer, you know, first try scorer or uh, most goals or simply who wins and loses different matches. But as part of those deals, they will set out that the codes themselves take home some proportion of all the bets that are received. Well, there's two different parts to a model, and I'm not going to comment on I suppose it could be a percentage of turnover, which would be like that, or a percentage of profits, which means if they're losing bets, you don't. But broadly speaking, the, the, you get a percentage of the volume of, of um, turnover on our sport, yes. It's quite astonishing to think that it's a volume game, that the more punters gamble, the more these leagues, the NRL, the AFL and others, benefit. So that's what we heard from Gil McLaughlin. What about Chief Executive of the National Rugby League, Andrew Abdo? What does he say about the way rugby league is grappling with this issue. The hearing was quite funny because you had uh, Andrew Abdo and Gil McLaughlin in the same session, both video conferencing into Canberra and the chair of the committee, Peter Murphy, uh, was a Victorian, so clearly focused on Gil and McLaughlin. (laughs) Andrew Abdo was definitely put in the shade. He he only got a few questions, but he was of a a similar mindset to Gil and McLaughlin. Ultimately, he wants to see if any recommendations are made that reduce the kind of uh, volume of gambling advertising or or really threaten some of the sports revenue sources. He wants it to be balanced and for consideration to be nuanced. We are open to further exploration of the type of advertising and the nature in which it is regulated, um, provided it's data-based and provided it is taking a holistic view and a balanced view. And I think Gil made some good points around the fact that it needs to be multi-platform as opposed to single platform, and it needs to be taking into account what's actually going to make a difference as opposed to just completely oversimplifying something that is quite nuanced and and quite unique. Ultimately, uh, Andrew Abdo pushed back uh, against the committee to uh, ensure that really rugby league uh, wasn't um, shortchanged if they do decide to go down this path. Members of the gambling industry were also part of the inquiry, including Sportsbet Chief Executive Barney Evans, The saying in gambling is that the house always wins. And maybe one of the more interesting parts was when Chair Peter Murphy spoke to Mr Evans about the rare instance where the house loses. What did she uncover? 
Yeah, Peter Murphy went uh, after uh, Sportsbet, Entame, uh, which is the parent company of Ladbrokes and Neds, and also uh, the Responsoring Wagering Australia lobby group, asking the same question of them. We've had, we we've had evidence from people that suggests people with sports betting accounts are winning all the time, particularly if they're using promotions and inducements, then they're stopped from being able to continue betting. And as I'm sure you heard me say, um, to a previous witness, I personally know somebody who has been in that situation. So it's not a it's not a difficult question. Is sports bet stopping people who are simply making money from continuing to be able to do that? You know, it might be simply using uh, promotions uh, from one provider and and signing up to another and and taking advantage of of some offer there. But uh, it, it seems like this kind of practice, based on the feedback that's emerged this week, is extremely widespread. There was a particularly tense exchange between Peter Murphy and the CEO of Sportsbet, Barney Evans, uh, over this very fact. And Barney Evans really refused the the notion that uh, unless Sportsbet had good reason, that they would not block or restrict gamblers. If you believe they're distorting the market, are you saying they're distorting the market because they're using the promotions and inducements in order to continually win? Is that what is that what you mean by distorting the market? Yes, that's what I mean by distorting the market, where it occurs as a result of people having unique information that the rest of the market does not have. Okay. And assuming they don't have that unique information? Assuming that they are using unique information, we would intervene. No, assuming they're not. Sports bet when they're taking a bet, it's their prerogative or, or they've got the option of taking a bet or not. And it seems like uh, they don't have to have a heap of evidence before them before they block access. You know, there's no indication that they're inquiring about whether anyone um, has inside information on a race. It looks to be that uh, based on the feedback that's emerged during the week from disgruntled punters, it seems like, uh, you know, if you're on a winning run often, you'll have the handbrake applied. It seemed as though Mr Evans was taking a note out of his political uh, opponent's books. You know, you answer the question you want to be asked, not the one you are asked. I think it's fair to say there are issues of concern that have emerged from this. To go bookmaker on this question, what are the odds that we're going to see some kind of change? It's very interesting to uh, wonder about the, the uh, potential for change. So the House of Representatives inquiry, so this makes recommendations. We're expecting their report to be finished middle of the year. They'll make recommendations. Then we think maybe uh, the government needs to respond to those recommendations. That maybe might happen by the end of this year. And then they need to start consulting with industry and start moving things forward. The Labor government might think it's a great opportunity to get up some election policy for the next poll in a couple of years' time, and they might try and rush through a few things. But ultimately, you've got to look at the landscape generally. You know, the NRL, the AFL, uh, sporting bodies, they're really influential stakeholders in politics and in the community, and it takes a lot to, uh, to go against their wishes. And we'll be watching closely to see whether that plays out in this case. But also, you've got to look at the last time uh, the federal government looked at reform in this area. It was a 2015 uh, inquiry by the uh, former New South Wales Premier Barry O'Farrell. Some of those recommendations and the policy amendments that, that, have, that were adopted are still only being rolled out now, some eight years later. So that gives you some indication about prospects for change. Could be waiting a while. Jack Snape, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Pat.
headlines. Augusta National Chairman Fred Ridley has confirmed Australian golf great and live chief executive Greg Norman was not welcomed to this year's Masters. We did not extend an invitation to Mr Norman. The primary issue and the driver there is that I want the focus this week to be on on the Masters competition, on the great players that are participating, the greatest players in the world, which by our decision in December, we ensured that we were going to honor and be consistent with our invitation criteria. I would also add that in the last 10 years, uh, Greg Norman has only been here twice, and I believe one of those was as a uh, commentator for Sirius Radio. But it it really was, was, was to keep the focus on the competition. Mr Ridley said the Great White Shark has not received a life ban. Jack Crisp will play for Collingwood against the Lions in Brisbane despite the AFL Integrity Unit investigating a lewd video of the Magpies' best and fairest winner. The league says it will speak with Crisp when he returns to Melbourne from Queensland. And Cricket Australia has revealed its list of 24 men's cricketers who will be offered national contracts. Maybe the most interesting point was Marcus Harris earning a deal, while other opening prospects, Cam Bancroft and Matt Renshaw, did not. You'd think that might infer that Harris is in line to replace David Warner if and when he retires from Test cricket. The other item of note, Todd Murphy. He gained a contract at the expense of Mitchell Swepson. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. A heads up, we are closing down the podcast over Easter. We will see you next Tuesday, having eaten far too much chocolate. We've got something cool for you lined up for next week. Make sure you keep an eye out. Thanks to 3AW and the Masters for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.